Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Day After Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Day after always brings Brooke Sanders, Jason Staples, Carolina 41, Virginia Tech 10. Nothing left to say. Buck, start us off. <laughs> well, you know, it it reflects poorly on us if we can't find anything good to say after a nice victory. We can only find things to talk about when they're not playing well. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, the, Start us the, off. Get it. Get, get it going. I agree with you, hundred percent. Good so call the, out on a Sunday the, morning. Here's the thing that that uh, kept running through my mind. We know that this Virginia Tech offense is pitiful. I mean, they are bad. It, with Georgia Tech beating uh, Pittsburgh last night, I think they qualify probably for 14th in the conference, and just in terms of offense. But North Carolina has a habit of playing teams that are awful on offense. And the next week, their quarterback will be the ACC Offensive Player of the Week. So, in in this particular case, the good news is North Carolina treated Virginia Tech exactly how they should have been treated, which is held under, you know, 300 yards, total offense uh, and just holding them to 10 points and treating them with the type of, I don't want to say disrespect, but uh, the the way that this offense deserved to be treated. So that's a huge positive for me to take out of the game is that, um, you know, Grant Wells doesn't make the Davey O'Brien list this week. Um, so, that's a positive. I think the other part to look at is after the game last week with Notre Dame, you can see North Carolina players uh, getting chippy with each other. And, you know, it looked like there was some discord going on uh, from a locker room standpoint. The way that they lost that game to Notre Dame just reflected poorly, I think, on the whole team. And after that game, this season could have gone in a lot of different directions. And the direction that it went in is a a positive one. And I think that's a big tribute to the staff and the players um, that instead of going further south and possibly losing to Virginia Tech, and this would be a completely different podcast if we were talking about a loss today. So uh, kudos to the players and the staff for turning this in a positive direction about at the midway point. And 
if if North Carolina's has turned a corner with their defensive woes, then watch out Coastal Division. Because if, if they have any semblance of a defense from here the rest of the way, they are going to be tough to beat. Uh, Drake may just – I remember watching a, uh, a documentary once about uh, Aaron Rodgers and probably, you know, it's just as he's reaching the pinnacle of his success and, you know, the wide receivers are just huddling around him on the sideline and they got the open mic thing going on. And, and one of the receivers, I forget who it was, uh, said to, to Rogers, man, you're just doing whatever you want to out there. You know, whatever you want to do, you, you're able to do. And that's how it looks with Drake Bay now. He, he just does whatever it is he feels like doing on any particular play. And, and if that defense can play with any semblance of what we saw yesterday, they're going to be a tough out for anybody on, on down the stretch. Uh, a decent defense with power paired with that offense, they're not going to be easy to beat. Yeah, I left it open there because I was hoping to get uh, the, the text chain buck from last night. Buck was on fire. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't want to jade uh, any comments by making any of my own. That was classic. Uh, we, we, we should parlay that into a uh, super uber premium uh, experience on Inside Carolina. Jason. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Jason, watching this defense play, and I get it, it's Virginia Tech. But to Buck's point, every quarterback they've played has been a Heisman candidate or Heisman performance after they've played Carolina. I thought the defense yesterday, and I'll, I'll echo Buck, did exactly what they're supposed to do against a team like Virginia Tech, which has not been the norm for North Carolina, quite frankly, in a long, long time. Uh, and, and for me, that's a positive. We can talk about level of competition. We always do. But they did – what they should have done and what they needed to do against Virginia Tech. Is there a question in there, or were you, uh, we just? Uh, <laughs> it's another one of these open-ended things. Come on, this, boys. Hold on. Is a this second. is this one of those like you know you open the podcast saying well not much not much left to say or no nothing nothing left to say, so I mean I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say anything here or not. Well, one of, hold on. One of my co-hosts got an Apple review talking about how he talked too much. And it was directed at him, that tip, Joey Powell. I'm just trying to get out of the way and let y'all drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I think the defense took a, a, a nice kind of half step forward. Um, you know, they, they, they did their business in terms of holding a really bad offense to 10 points. So you start there, but – on the flip side, I think I really do think, and this is where my negativity is going to come out a little bit more, maybe. Uh, I do think that this game was more about Virginia Tech's inept offense than it was about Carolina really making a lot of improvements on defense. Uh, this is, this is a, a Virginia Tech offense that just has no playmakers. And, and you can see that in the numbers. Uh, but the good thing is that Carolina made them, you know, they didn't make those playmakers look like playmakers. So, you know, you look at the, at, at where this game is basically decided big plays. Virginia tech had two, <laughs> two big plays. There was one run over uh, one run of 25 yards and one pass of 34 yards. North Carolina, by the way, had 21 big place for 425 yards that's runs over 10 yards and passes over 15 so you know that's that and and if you talk about what gene chizik wants to do what he wants to really uh get control of it's taking making it so that teams don't have big plays and that they have to go down the field and then you know make mistakes well this was as we talked about in the in the game plan podcast this is the perfect get right game for that because this this offense had no no playmakers and uh, was was not good enough to execute all the way down the field, and that's what we saw. Nevertheless, 
nevertheless, the, 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 the things that I'm looking at, if I'm, if I'm the Carolina coaching staff and I'm preaching to my team saying, don't get real comfortable. Virginia Tech's success rate, meaning plays on which they got the expected amount of yardage that, that you want to get. So first and first and 10, you get four, four or more yards, uh, you know, second or third and three, you get three yards, you know, that success rate. Their success rate on the day was 46%. Which, you know, nationally, if an offense has a 46% success rate, that's 70th percentile for an offense. That That's pretty good. So Virginia Tech actually had a pretty good success rate on the day. Actually, North Carolina's success rate was only 45% offensively. They just, when they, when they succeeded, they succeeded. Uh, and then Virginia Tech's third down success rate was 55%. And, and again, 44% third down conversion rate, eight of 18. That offense for Virginia Tech was able to stay on the field more than they should have because they were able to, to get a little bit of movement and they were able to, uh, to get themselves into third downs that they were able to convert. Uh, and, and, the re- and the reason for that is that this defense still only created a 4% havoc rate. So this is, this is where your, your defensive line, your linebackers, that sort of thing, are getting tackles for loss, quarterback hurries, things like that. And they, they still didn't cause a whole lot of problems there. Now, on a couple of the plays where they did, you know, the, the, the gray interception, a couple others, guys got into the backfield and, and made the quarterback uncomfortable. But, I mean, ultimately, this game was about the back end – not being leaky, which is a great for a great place to start. The corners and safeties didn't let anything over the top. They made tackles when guys got beyond that first level. But that first level still still needs to play a good bit better against other other teams as they're going forward. Uh, the good thing is that the rest, as you said, Buck, the rest of the ACC Coastal is completely gettable. I mean, Miami hasn't been any good on offense. You know, we just saw, uh, as you said, Georgia Tech beat Pitt, and Georgia Tech isn't any good. So the thing is, North Carolina's defense doesn't have to be great for them to win the the Coastal. They just have to do more or less what they did yesterday, which is not be, you know, not not screw up on the back end a bunch, not have a bunch of leakage and, and giving up big plays. Just make sure that they make tackles when guys get through the line of scrimmage. I'd still like to see them tighten up that front. They've got to get better up front if they're going to be anything more than, you know, a, a, a champ of a bad division. But, you know, this is a nice sort of half or full step forward. They just need to to continue to build on it with, with some improvement in some of those er- other areas. But to Jason's point, it reminds me of the lion quote, right? I don't have to outrun everybody. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, the – the coastal is awful, and we saw. I watched State and Clemson. We saw Wake and Florida State yesterday. I mean, the, there's a legitimate argument that the coastal champ would be fifth in the in the Atlantic, but that doesn't matter because all Carolina's got to do is win the coastal. Start mattering next year. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It'll 100 percent matter next year. Um, well, who knows what'll happen by next year? It might be the. That's true. All conference. We may all be whatever. Uh, playing pickleball at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to to Jason's point, yes, there's improvement. But this team needed some success, especially these defensive guys. And I don't care whether I'm playing against my 17 year old son or Jason. If I get some success, I'm gonna feel a little bit better about myself. Do you get the sense, or or, or would you get the sense that this team can take that from this game? Because I think they really, really needed it. I think there's a couple of points they can take things from both on both sides of the ball. Uh, the, uh, and, and Mac Brown talked about this some at his press conference, but the decision to try and get points on the board before halftime was a, a big one. I think for this team, because they, they have gotten into this rut, this habit of not closing out the first half well and not starting the second half well. Which, you know, against Notre Dame, they did. And there was like, I don't know, 20 minutes period of time, they don't even have the ball. You know, Notre Dame's got it at the close of the 
first half and then the opening of the of the second half, and they end up running 25 more plays than North Carolina does because of that uh, switch in possessions. So I think that was big, getting that field goal uh, at the end of the first half, I thought, got things back on a, on a positive note. And then in the third quarter, I think the, the real key happened when they closed out the third quarter they were going touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, and Virginia Tech was going three and out three separate occasions. They had three consecutive three and outs there to close out the third quarter, and at that point it was Katie Bardador. Let's bring the subs off the bench pretty much at that point. So that was a real key stretch for the defense. I agree with Jason. Uh, we should all you know, look up the wit and wisdom of Winston Wolf on uh when we're talking about the the defense but to to have three consecutive three and outs they went three and six three and six three and nine there at the end of the third quarter um that that put the game away and uh they put their foot on the neck of virginia tech and they didn't let it off which is a big step forward for this team uh too, time, too often they get a little too happy with themselves after they've done something well offensively or defensively, and that didn't happen in this game. So uh, that's how I would – that would be my take on the defensive foot step forward in this game. Jason, speak to confidence and success. We've seen good players that look terrible, and we've seen bad players that look great. I'm going to ask you a question. Hold on. In your take, in your experience, being around programs, um, we know your past, being around kids, coaching them or whatever, I don't think you can discount something good happening for a player um, regardless of who the opponent is. Your thoughts there and how that translates for this unit. Because Miami, look, Miami hadn't looked good, but Miami's still Miami. And that's a road trip next week that this team's going to have to come up with. Um Two weeks ago, I'd said they had no shot at Miami. Now, who knows? What do you think? Well, first of all, two weeks ago, I'd have said they still had a shot against Miami because, you know, you always got a good shot against an FCS team. But, um, you know, even <laughs> even even a, a, a better than usual S FCS team, you know, sort of upper tier FCS team. But There's that Florida State coming out. <laughs> Jason's, Jason's continuing disrespect of the Hurricanes. Hey, they, they've earned it. They've earned it. Um <laughs> Anyhow, uh, no, th th this this team. I think you're right that that when we talked about this, let's 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 back up again. We talked on the game plan podcast. I mean, you titled the game plan podcast a get right game for the defense, and the, the very concept of that is that confidence and getting to see success really really matters, and I, I do believe that. I mean. Again, going back to you, you know, I like to to make comparisons to other sports. Look at what happens on, in basketball, where you have a, a, a you don't ever want to foul a great shooter who's having an off night, right? Because what happens? He goes to the free throw line and he sees that ball go through the bucket a couple times, and all of a sudden something happens, right? You see that ball go through the bucket. Uh, okay, and you know that I got my feel back a little bit, and all of a sudden things are a little different. Or you know, the golfer who, you know, has really been trying to groove that swing, groove that swing, make a little change. And it's just not working on the, on the, on the course. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple things come through and you have a couple holes or you hit it close, you get those birdies. And then you, then you actually, you feel it and you believe it. And I think that's a big part of this for this defense is so much. And, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of defensive coordinators and, and, you know, different coaches over the years so much of defense is just buy-in. I mean, I think that's un underestimated the degree to which defense is, is buy-in because every defensive scheme can work provided you have the, the, the players, the pieces to execute what you're asking them to do. But no defensive scheme works when you've got guys that are not fully bought into that scheme and are not fully uh, invested in doing their job 
instead of trying to peek and do somebody else's job. If everybody just does his own job and does his own job well, any defensive scheme can be pretty good. But getting, you know, coaching defense in that respect is kind of like herding cats. You've got a bunch of guys, you got a bunch of cats out there that want to make plays, that want to, you know, get up and, you know, gesture to the to the to the fans about how great they are after making a tackle or whatever or you know making room for their teammate to make a tackle it doesn't matter they're gonna uh you know you get that that desire and it's really hard a lot of times to get teams to buy into no son just i promise you if you just eat this double team and you do it with low pad level and good footwork, and you don't get washed down the line of scrimmage this far. If you get washed down a half yard less, and you are able to stalemate him here, this guy can step into the hole and make his play. And son, you got to be over here. Keep your eyes here. And if you get guys that do that, then the defense can be pretty good. What happens, though, when you start giving up plays on defense is guys start to get antsy. They start to try to cheat. They start start to try to do different things. And then you get further out of position. And now you get, you know, defensive Armageddon. What happens when you start to see success is guys go, okay, that, that actually worked this time, <laughs> right? I, I did my job and he did his job and we got off the field or we got a turnover, you know, those sorts of things. And then what ends up happening is you start getting guys buy into it fully they get their eyes in the right spot. They react quicker. They're doing their job with confidence. And all of a sudden they play faster and because they're, they're not getting their eyes in the wrong spot. They're not, you know, uncertain. They're not thinking they're just doing their job. So I think confidence goes a really long way. And you hope that this is more than just a step forward against a bad team, that this then can be parlayed into, you know, becoming a, you know, getting, getting a, a few more baskets to go through the, through the bucket, through more balls through the bucket so that they can actually maintain and improve on that confidence and, and uh, continue to take steps forward, moving down, down the line. Cause we all know the talents there. We all know there's enough talent for this, this defense to turn the corner and actually be the best defense in the coastal. So, you know, it'd take several steps forward for that to happen, but it's not like they don't have players. Yeah, you can't take several until you take one. And when you mentioned cats, I kept thinking, we don't need no more cats. We need some more dogs. Get the dogs. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's Google but that's posting. the thing. That's exactly it. I mean, <laughs> you have to you have to convert a bunch of those, you know, cats to dogs. Or if you're gonna if they're gonna stay cats, you better make them into lions where they're gonna be uh they're gonna be working as a team and you know, doing it that way. But you know, too often you have a bunch of cats out there that, you know, cats are not exactly, uh, you know, pack animals that are going to going to do things, you know, a- according to what the leadership needs. But who stood out for you on defense? I mean, we can talk about Cedric Gray. He's always there. Uh, I know you love DeAndre Boykins. I, uh, do. I do. Jake Harkle rode almost uh, split Stephen Gosnell in half um, off the bench. I thought uh, I thought Deuce Caldwell looked pretty good, but for you, who stood out on defense before we switch over to the main event? Yeah, but before we talk about standouts, I think one of the takeaways for this game, and uh, it's a subject we can talk a lot more about and moving forward, I think. But a game like this, where you see four-string guys, third-string guys getting off the bench and getting into a game against other scholarship players. I, I don't think you can overestimate the importance of that. That's, that's, a, that's a big deal uh, for players like Harkle Road, um, Hamrick, uh, Caldwell, um, uh, Jacoby Cowan got on the field and played yesterday. Uh, they moved him. Um, let him play outside and put Rucker inside, I think, on a couple of plays. There was stuff going on, and they we talk a lot about uh, development. Where is uh, uh, where is 
you know, the development coming from? Where is the talent being developed at? Well, one way you could develop talent is to let them play in games like this where they get meaningful snaps against quality competition, not practice snaps, not where, you know, uh, you've got to go all, um, you know, uh, matador against a, a quarterback or whatever. You're actually hitting people. They're hitting you. Um, and Jason just asked a question in chat. Uh, Cheeks is hurt a little bit. He's banged up some. Um, but uh, to see Caldwell and Harkle Road get out there and play, and you know that helps their development. Those things are helping their development. Travis Shaw played a good bit yesterday and, and did some good things. Uh, as one guy in, on the mission board said, he put a couple of guys on skates yesterday. Uh, coming up the middle of the line. Uh, I think the game participation report is probably the biggest we've seen all year, and that includes Florida A&M. Uh, I think North Carolina was able to get more players in the game. Uh, the backup offensive line finished the game. Well, Florida A&M, Florida A&M uh, had a better offense than Virginia Tech, so they had to stay but, out there a little longer. Right, but – uh, being able to get, I mean, when was the last time, I mean, unless you're counting somebody like Wofford or, you know, Mercer or some team like that, when was the last time North Carolina was able to get off the field in the fourth quarter, get rest their starters against a power five team been a while. Um, it's been a minute. So I, I think that's huge, and, and the players that, you know, I talked a little bit about a, a couple of guys that stood out to me um, on uh, defense. But uh, before we move on, I want to talk about some guys on offense that are low-keying a hell of a season, and that's the tight ends. Those guys, Jason's buddy, John Lilly. I see you, John Lilly. They are having a year. Um, both Nesbitt and Morales have three touchdown catches on the year. Might not sound too impressive unless you know that the record for the most touchdown catches in a season by tight end is five. Held by Morales. And they both already have three catches and not quite halfway through the season. So uh, they could have two tight ends, have as many touchdown passes as the previous history of um, North Carolina tight ends ever. So that's amazing. And plus, that Copenhaver continues to impress me. I mean, he's getting a couple of catches every game. You know, they're getting ready to play Miami, and Miami came into the season. Their uh, tight end, Will Mallory, I think, was picked to be like the ACC tight end of the year. Nesbitt is out playing the socks off of him. Uh, Nesbitt has got like, uh, I don't know, uh, almost 300 yards receiving at this point. Um, and Mallory has maybe less than 200. Copenhaver is actually pretty close statistically, I think, to to uh, Mallory. Mallory right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, what they're doing with their tight ends. And they're in the red zone, in particularly, all the trouble that Longo has had in the red zone all these years, and they're killing it. They're killing it down there. I want to fourth down and three, you know, Morales just nonchalantly catches a touchdown pass. Another example also of Drake May doing what he wants to do. But there are problems we can talk about, and I'll just mention them and let Jason move on to this because he knows how to be negative in a way I can't you know, compare <laughs> to. And but, that used to be me. That's what's yeah. funny. Yeah. The, uh, the running game, uh, they need a fix there. They need a fix there. Um, when when your leading rusher week after week is Drake May, 
something needs to get done. Now, their, their run blocking is not as good as their pass blocking, which is exceptional yesterday, and their running backs were a huge part of that. Uh, they were laying some guys out coming up the middle yesterday. Um, so the running game, I'll let Jason talk about that a little bit. And um, that's that's a nag for me. At some point, they're going to have to run the ball when everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run, need to run the ball, and I'm not sure they're there yet. That's a, let me do something before we get into Jason's answer there. Let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com right fast. Sponsors of the podcast, sponsors of Inside Carolina, friends, hmm. of, you, friends of you, the premium subscriber. I saw a bunch of Johnny T-Shirt gear at, at the game yesterday. Um, you know, if you need Carolina stuff, you need to go see them. First of all, they're alumni owned and operated, so they got a stake in the game. Uh, they understand what it means to be um, part of the Carolina family, and they've been there forever. I mean, they were they were on Franklin Street when I was in college. That was that's a long time ago, and uh, so they've been around. But they need your help to stay around, as all local businesses do. So take care of them. Go see them on Franklin Street, or get them online. Get everything you could possibly ever want Carolina related. And like I mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks, those old school Ram shirts and jersey or in uh, T-shirts that Buck and Mrs. Buck had on a couple of weeks ago, top shelf stuff, Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. National guys pay the bills. That's the day after. Carolina 41, the Hokies 10. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back, and I'm going to get right back into it the day after podcast. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Jason, Buck talked about uh, the issues that are still prevalent, um, specifically on the offense, which I think a lot of people see this offense and see what, 48 and a half points a game or something like that. Drake May leading the nation and, and stuff. And there's still issues there, and they're going to be issues that are going to pop up against better teams. Your take, Jason, on what Buck discussed there specifically in the running game well you know i think the the best thing about this when i look at at the uh at the overall numbers here is basically they they didn't give up a bunch of negative plays so if you look at the offensive line side of things they mostly handle business uh i'm looking at you know virginia tech's havoc plays created zero passing havoc plays created zero rushing havoc plays created zero so overall that's 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 pretty solid and and virginia tech's defense is not actually terrible i mean they're 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 pretty good defense uh you know i think they came into the into the game in into the game somewhere in the like high 30s to you know through through that sort of mid 40s area in terms of different metrics so, I mean, that's a, that's a solid defense, and North Carolina took care of business there. Uh, the thing that, that's sticking out to me is right now the North Carolina running backs are just, as a rule, not they're not winning enough at that second level. They're not winning enough in terms of a lot of run plays. The thing you got to remember – a lot of run plays, basically, the way it's schemed is you've got to get a hat on a hat, and then there's always going to be one guy that the running back is going to be responsible for. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I coached under, uh, under former NC State running back uh, Barber, and he, he used to tell our guys, you know, uh, our running backs, that's where you earn your playing time. 
you know, uh, in, in college, that's where you earn your scholarship. If you can't beat that guy, if you can't consistently win against the second level, against the guy that's, that, that is the unblocked player, that's your guy, then you got to find somebody who can. And, uh, and so that's part of it right now is they're not winning enough at that level to make more plays at the running back position. You saw him do it a few times. Caleb hood had uh, two runs. I think where, where he did that uh, you had one big one from uh, Hampton where he was 35 yards on that one. Uh, and that was a really nifty little run. I mean, he actually, he, he did a good job there on that. I'm, I'm probably going to use that one as a, as an example uh, for, for film breakdown this week. But uh, the problem is right now you look at Hampton eight carries for 37 yards and 35 of them are on one one run. So that means seven carries for two yards on the rest. And it's not like most of those, there were a couple where there was leakage. Uh, you know, there's an unblocked player on goal line at one point where uh, offensive tackle took the end man and who should have been left alone. And then allowed a guy who didn't, who, who, uh, who should have been part of the count from the box. Who sh- he should have taken the inside guy. And that guy had a free, free rusher free lane to, to get uh, Hampton in the backfield. You know, there are a few of those, but, you know, overall, the problem that I'm seeing right now is, and, and Tommy, you said it right, this is reminiscent of the, of the bowl game against Texas A&M a, a, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, where, you know, without Carter and Williams, you kept having backs get to the second level and then not, not actually make a play where you had an opportunity where if you break that tackle, you break that one tackle, you, you know, you slip that one tackle or you, you, you hit this just right. And it goes for 10, 12 yards. And right now it's going for one or two. That's really the problem right now. And we, we need to see more of what Hampton, what Hampton did on the one run where that could have been a tackle for loss, but he was patient enough to make sure that he let his offensive line be right. He made them right. And right now there's not enough of that where the backs are making the offensive line right. And they've got to figure out what they're doing there. You could see, and, and I, I thought this is what they do in terms of, uh, of, of backs. You could see that they, they basically narrowed that rotation to Hampton and Hood for the most part in this game. But, you know, right now I'm, I'm still not seeing it from Hampton in terms of of making his offensive line right more often than not and beating his guy in, in the hole more often than not. I'm, I'm seeing a guy who wants to, you know, sort of almost Adrian Peterson, like in terms of hitting the, the, uh, the, the, the hole really hard, but without Peterson's initial patience on certain things. Uh, and that right now they, they've got to get just a little better feel, a little bit more patience, and they've got to figure out which of the backs can do that. So, you know, this is the work in progress. The good thing is when you've got a guy like Drake May who, you know, 184.4 passer rating, you know, he, 72% completion percentage, and he, he was throwing it downfield. You know, this is not, you know, he was not – throwing to the perimeter or throwing a bunch of screens for that 72% completion percentage. And honestly, I didn't think may actually played all that well for him in this game. There were times where, you know, he missed the one, uh, the one post route, which should have been a walk-in touchdown. And that's a throw that he probably makes, you know, eight, seven, eight times out of 10. He missed a couple today uh, in that, in that game uh, yesterday that, that he normally makes. That's how good that guy's that guy is right now. That's how well he's playing. And so I think the good thing is that you can continue to just pass to set up the run, but they've got to find somebody who's going to make that offensive line right more often in order to, to have the balance to avoid getting, you know, getting beat by some of these coastal teams that shouldn't beat them. I saw a couple times uh, the running backs, you know, they're, they're going to be good, but they're still young and they assume they can run over somebody or they assume they can just step out of a, a tackle or whatever. And I, I can't remember who it was, was coming on the home side. I sat on the home side for the first time in ever. Um, and I forget who it was, but he had a lead blocker out in front of him. He's coming to the sidelines 
And it's like, make a decision which way you want to go. And he just runs up the back of the lineman that's lead blocking him. And that was that's one of those things. If you put your foot in the ground and, and pick a side, you know, you probably get 10, 15 more yards. I think they'll get better. Um, I'd like to see some breakdowns by you from the end zone look. And I know it's tough on especially TV copy where they have been less patient. And if they were just a click more patient, the hole is there. And I think that's what um, even Ty Chandler did it plenty. That's what Carolina fans um, sort of expect after the last two or three years, but it's a learning process and it's almost an innate thing for a running back to do. Um, and in high school, you didn't have to do it. You just blasted through somebody or whatever. So, but let's get into the Drake May portion of the program. <laughs> um, you know, I, let's talk about the dive, right? Or the leap. I said it in the group chat. I love it. I loved seeing that. I mean, that is a guy. Look, when you're on the sidelines or you're blocking for him or whatever, and you see your quarterback doing that kind of stuff, you want to run through the wall. I want to wring his neck. I know. (laughs) But contrast that with the coaching staff doing everything they can to coach it out of him. Um, I just don't – I don't think you can coach that out of somebody. Um, Or can you, Buck? It was certainly a what the hell, my God. He landed on his head, you know, moment. And Mac Brown, I'm sure. They got to deal with it, I think. He he addressed it after the game. He said a certain amount of that you're just going to have to live with Mm -hmm. because he may is just not going to run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage like, you know, some quarterbacks have been known to do. Um, He better learn how to do it. Run out of bounds behind the the line of the scrimmage. Yeah, well, you Uh, you throw the ball away, dummy. Throw the ball away if you're going to do that. But he better learn how to get out of bounds if he's going to do that at the next level because they'll break you there. Yeah. And well, he's got a little Chris Ricks in his system. Uh, I I remember Chris used to do this back, you know, in the early 2000s at Florida State, and then he eventually one of the guys actually caught him. So he tried to jump over the top, and the guy caught his legs, and he about broke his neck, and that pretty much ended it for him. So he stopped doing it after that. And and I, I I'm I sort of get what Tommy's talking about. I understand the uh, the attitude. Uh, you you want your quarterback to to sell out, and you know offensive lines have talked about it forever. That um, if they see their quarterback willing to you know take the ball up the middle and and you know risk his neck a little bit, that makes him want to block for that guy more. But Having said that, I lean more towards Jason on this issue, uh, which is let's talk about what North Carolina's record would look like if Drake May wasn't on the field. Speaking of flips. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, he he can flip. He could flip North Carolina's entire season. So he's, he's actually looking after his teammates a little better by – exercising some discretion when it comes to, you know, being macho about, uh, making that last inch, um, live to fight another day, Drake. I mean, uh, it, they'll be there. You're going to have a long career if you don't kill yourself. Um, <laughs> so, uh, keep that in mind. You want to make a lot of money. Um, and you're going to, if you stay healthy, but, that's the number one thing is to stay healthy. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Availability is the most important ability. And, you know, here's the thing. That – I actually think that, you know, I mentioned the one that, that happened to, to Chris where a guy, you know, grabbed his legs as he went to flip over him. And, you know, he, he really, you know, kind of hurt himself a little bit on that one. Well, I think, you know, this one may have been that kind of come to Jesus moment for Drake May because he, he came down wrong. He didn't land on his head. He actually kind of landed. I think he landed on the football a little bit or, or something like that. I mean, he, he knocked the took wind. his breath. Not yeah, he breath knocked out, the wind out of himself is what happened. I mean, he you know, this is where he kind of landed on his face in the upper chest. And I'm not sure if he landed on the ball with it as well. But, you know, not he winded himself pretty good. And that's, you know, you're you're. you're you know, it doesn't, it's not a long-term injury, but it does scare the heck out of you. If you get, if you get the wind knocked out of you just right. And, 
you know, you hope that that's the kind of like, okay, kid, like you got to stop doing this, especially in a 31 to 10 game. Right. It's 31 to 10. This is not the national championship. This isn't even the ACC championship. And this is not a third and two where you got to get those extra two yards or whatever. You've got to, you've got to be situationally smart about when you do that stuff, if you're going to do it. And that's the thing that I think he can learn. And I think, again, getting, getting the wind knocked out of him like that this time. I mean, this is the sort of thing that, again, in high school, he probably was able to do this without a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of, of danger. Uh, in this case, I think he, he, he basically may have learned a little bit from that. I'm, I'll be interested to see if this happens again this season, especially in a, you know, in a non-essential situation. I'm, I'm fine with the guys. Almost every game at this point. Yeah. 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 If he goes, if he goes one or two games without it, I think you, you can see that there's been a change. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, I I think it's going to happen again. I think he's going to do it. It's just, it's in his nature. Let's wrap this show with some closing thoughts. Uh, But I'll end it the way I started it. I'll let you go, but I will add my own comment. I think Carolina did exactly what they needed to do against Virginia Tech. It's that simple, really. And quite frankly, it's been really complicated for Carolina football to do it this year. Uh, Your final takeaways before we turn the page to Miami going into the week. You know, I'd have to go back and and think about it some more. But I want to say this was probably the most complete game North Carolina has played under MAC 2.0 going back to – 2019 offensively defensively special teams they played a complete game in every phase of the of the contest and that just doesn't happen that often it hasn't absolutely that absolutely all um really in mac brown 2.0 and that's what you want right i mean that's the goal uh, to be competent in every phase of the game. If you, you know, then you finally get into a situation where let's say your offense is not just not clicking some game down the stretch where your defense might be able to carry you on that day. Another time, maybe the defense is having a bad game. Maybe another day, the special teams is not producing like they want if you've got three phases that are all competent your odds of winning ball games go way up because one side could compensate for deficiency here or there on a specific day and on a given day when all three phases are clicking together you're not losing that's just not going to happen so i think the complete game aspect of it is one that um is the biggest takeaway for me. And can they build on that going forward? Are they going to be able to do that against Miami? Are they going to be able to have a complete game against an FCS team, as Jason would say? Um, so yeah, that, that that's what's going to be a curiosity for me moving forward. Jason, wrap us up. I, I'm, I'm, I just think Buck just basically did. Uh, you know, this team just has to build on what they just did and continue to take a, a little bit of a step forward this week. Cause I think again, with Miami, the way Miami's offense has been playing, you've got a chance to again, play against a team that, that has not made a whole lot of big plays down the field. And they're really still struggling trying to find their feet in an offense that doesn't fit their personnel and is coached by a guy as, as an offensive coordinator, who's been, overhyped and you know kind of overrated for a while and and wound up with exactly the kind of head coach that you you want if you uh want to that you want to hire if you want to kill your your uh your quarterbacks and your your uh efficiency on offense so this is an opportunity again to go and choke out another offense that has been struggling and uh yeah you just got to continue to build on this moving into this week and what buck said about this being the most complete game i think is a hundred percent right i mean I was pretty optimistic coming into this game. Uh, I, I think folks were surprised by my projection on the, on the game plan podcast. What was it? 42 to 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they exceeded my expectations pretty significantly. I mean, with 10 points instead of 20 given up and, and all of that. So 
continue to do that. And and this team, as we said last week, yeah, coming off a loss to, to Notre Dame, but that Notre Dame team is the best team on the schedule. And you still have all your goals in front of you. You can win the win the Coastal absolutely if you play the way that you did against Virginia Tech. You can win the Coastal. Heck, you could go undefeated in the Coastal plan like that. So, you know, this team still has a chance to, to finish the year with a pretty good record and feeling pretty good about themselves if they continue to build on what they did in this game. Indeed. Carolina 41 to 10 over Virginia Tech. Uh, it's never a bad thing to dispatch Virginia Tech in such a manner that they did on Saturday. Shout out to a couple of players uh, we didn't talk about. Noah Burnett, uh, the kickoffs. Uh, I, I, I want to say Virginia Tech's starting field position on the kickoffs was uh, less than the 25. I'd have to look at Five stats. of seven touchbacks. He Five can't. of seven touchbacks. And the two they returned, I don't think they made it to the 25. But uh, he, he pushed a little field goal there. But that's a, that's a good thing to have a kicker that can do it all. And also uh, – you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a nickname here, Jake the Hammer Harkle Road, for making the play of the game for North Carolina fans. Uh, Stephen Gosnell, uh, former Tar Heel, hope he's fine, he's, but he, I think he's still disoriented a little bit. <laughs> it was a, it was a, and of course, after review, there is no targeting on the play. I think the ACC reviews every hard hit. Uh, I get it. Jason Staples, Buck Sanders. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. It's been the day after. Stay tuned for Inside Carolina's podcast week. You got in the trenches. You got calling the shots. Uh, the On the beat live. The game plan live. Justin Jackson and Taylor Vipolis. Coast to coast. The scoop. Just the world. Worlds of uh, content, at least on the podcast side. And, of course, always on the website side. Gentlemen, appreciate it. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.